is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Going to do some power rankings today, but it's not your traditional power rankings. No, oh, sir. No, 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 no. These get a little complicated. We're deep thinkers here on the Steelers. We don't like to make our power rankings as cut and dry as the best to the worst. No, no, no. This power ranking is going to look at the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, and we are going to rank from best to worst. From worst to best or best to worst? From worst to best. Yeah. Or best to worst. Or worst to best. Like 10 to 1. From worst to best, we're going to go over each positional group and we're going to decide where they fall as far as their overall depth is concerned on these rankings. So it's not necessarily like, oh, look at outside linebackers. That's number one, obviously, because of TJ Watt, right? Maybe not, because we don't know who's playing behind TJ Watt. It's all about having a complete full roster. And that's what we're going to go through as we work our way up and down these power rankings right now. But start with the defensive side of the football. And when you look at the worst position group when it comes to depth. I think the answer is I think the answer is obvious to you. What's your obvious answer? The safeties. The safeties? Yeah, because there's not even a starter there, really. There's one starter. There's one starter. I was kind of thinking maybe defensive line, but... I think it's just kind of more up in the air there, whereas there's a solid, like, you know for a fact there's not a starter on the safety. Like, right. with the defensive line, you don't exactly know if two it's going to be there or not, so you can kind of pretend, pretend, that he <laughs> is there and that D-line is solid. The safety, there's no pretending. Killebrew's your guy. That's it. And we can talk about the defensive line. I don't. I feel like we won't take much more time being that. But yeah, the safety, you have two guys who are need to be starting, and one of those guys, one of those spots is currently unfilled. You can say that because technically Trey Norwood and Miles Kilbrew are there, that spot is filled because you have guys, but still, when you're talking about depth, you have to assume you have to include the talent at depth. And even though both Kilbrew and Trey Norwood had better than expected seasons last year. That's still, we, we've said time after time that you don't want to start the 2022 season with one of those guys as your starter. How much of a difference would it have made if Edmonds was there, if Edmonds comes back? Does this all of a sudden become a group that you're pretty comfortable now with the depth because you bump a Killebrew and a Norwood back a couple slots, and then all of a sudden Edmonds, Fitzpatrick, Killebrew, Norwood, eh? kind of a decent safety room well it's all you know when we're doing this power rankings there's only five position groups the d-line the outside backers the the middle the middle backers the corners and the safeties Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot of room to fall or to rise in this power rankings i would say though even if emmons is there it's tough it's really tough tom i think it would move up maybe a smidge maybe so they're they're currently at five I could say they could go as high as three. Even if they say, say, even if they weren't able to move up at all, you'd at least still feel comfortable about them in that fifth spot. They, you'd at least be yeah. a bit more comfortable with the way that they look as far as the depth unit is concerned. Like you said, just because they fill out with Edmonds doesn't necessarily mean that they automatically get more depth over a spot like the defensive line or the outside linebacking room. But maybe even if they don't jump up on our on our power ranking, 
we can at least say, yeah, they have the least amount of depth on the defense, but it's night and day compared to where they were, say, a week ago before they signed Terrell Edmonds. So I think that even if we don't, you know, size up this little hypothetical ranking that we have here, it would still just make you sleep a lot better at night if you, when you get that Edmonds in and you have that trickle-down effect of Killebrew and Norwood moving mm-hmm. down into the depth chart. Because right now it's... It's hard to draw drum up faith in Killebrew and Norwood and Minka being your three safeties this year and having some sort of success employing those three, two of which are playing the majority of the snaps. I think that's that's pretty far fetched of a of a, a hope to have heading into this season if you're a Steelers fan. Sure. I mean when when you consider the moves that Kevin Colbert has made the guy can't do everything, right? He could only do so much with so much money. And I don't think there's a single Steelers fan out there or Steelers expert out there who's saying, well, Colbert kind of bleeped the bed here by neglecting the, the strong safety position. I mean, he filled out a corner. He got you your your middle linebacker to pair with Devin Bush. He got you two offensive linemen, re-signed a third. He's done so much. I mean, you can't. I mean, I'm sorry that for Steelers fans who are out there saying, "Well, he should have gotten out and got and got," or he should have gone out and got a guy like J.C. Jackson to just shore up the secondary overall. I'm sorry he couldn't do all of that, but the pieces that he did acquire are going to help the Steelers. I think put themselves in a position to themselves. Hey, well, now we don't have to worry about certain guys in the earlier rounds in the draft. Maybe we can draft a safety in the first or second round, or maybe we can. With with the market softening as as time has obviously passed, maybe now instead of going after Terrell Edmonds so early, we can shore ourselves enough enough money to go sign him to a more team friendly contract. Given how long it's taken him to sign with anybody, maybe this is going to be the best offer he receives. So, I get right now it doesn't seem like the secondary is at its best, but if you do get someone via the draft or if you do somehow manage to re-sign Terrell Edmonds. Even though it's not going to make a world of a difference, I do think that's all you got to do is just get that one guy, right? Just get the and yeah, the, one guy fixes a lot, right? And and it's it's hard now, of course, to say, you know, you get that rookie in the draft. Well, how could you possibly, unless he, unless it's uh, what's his name from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, yeah, which ain't gonna be, you're there. not gonna get him. The only uh, the other. The other guy that you could possibly get in the draft, are you really going to feel so comfortable in starting him over Killebrew or, or Trey Norwood? You don't really know. But at least it's another depth piece. Safety checks in at 5.05 on the defensive side of the ball as far as depth is concerned. Our number four position as far as depth is concerned defensively, I think I want to go outside linebackers on this Ow. one. Well, just think about it slowly with me. Okay. Defensive line, we're going to assume the two and Nalu Alu are there, right? Well, so that's I'd like pretty to good. Assume, I like to assume at the least. Alo okay, Alo. so at least Alo Alo's there. That means you still have Adams, Loudermilk, and Wormley as your depth pieces. That's fair. Those guys all played a lot last year. Then you look at the inside linebacker room, and we've talked on episodes recently how much more improved that depth has been behind guys like Jack and Bush with the Spillane and a Buddy Johnson, even a Marcus Allen as well, who will creep up in there and, and play mm-hmm. some in that linebacker spot. And then you look at the corners. And yes, on the surface, the corners don't necessarily, they, they might be missing a starter. But 
Justin Lane, Levi Wallace, Akella Witherspoon, Cam Sutton, James Pierre. I mean, there's five guys right there that all played, whether it be here in Pittsburgh or elsewhere, last year, pretty significant roles. So that's five corners you got. It's decent depth right there. T.J. Watt's the best defensive player on the team. He's the best defensive player in the league. I Smith was a bit of a disappointment last year. Injuries might be the reason why, but you wanted more from him. And then you've got Derek Tuska and Jannard Avery <laughs> as your next two guys right there. I think that it's the best player on the defense in this position group, but I think depth-wise it might be fourth. My only pause for that is, and not to put that maybe at three, it's just because I do have enough faith in Alex Highsmith, right? You know, we talk about, we just discussed the safety, saying there's really not a guy to pair with Mika Fitzpatrick at the moment. And then you look to the defensive line, you can hypothesize all you want about the about the the potential return or the potential presence of Stefan Tuin in 2022, but that's not given. You know you're going to get Cam Hayward back, and you can assume for the better that you're going to have Tyson Alualu back, assuming he's going to make a full recovery. At least there, you only have two out of the three spots. Whereas at the outside linebackers, you have both spots filled. That's the only reason why I would say, you know, going with the trend of putting the safeties at fifth, because you only have one guy out of two, you look to your defensive line, you really you really can only say you only have two out of three. Whereas your your outside linebackers, you have two for two. The pieces behind those guys, I agree, and that's where are I, significantly weaker. And that's where I land on it. I understand. No, four. I understand. So you agree with me? You you allow? No, you allow, I'll, I'll, you allow I'll hear the argument. Yeah, sure. and you know, you're gonna need a guy in that outside linebacking room that isn't necessarily great, but someone who can be serviceable throughout a game because you can't just have Highsmith and Watt out there for 100% of the snaps rushing their very best. I mean, especially T.J. Watt. You know, the guy, his motor, there's not a pass rush that he takes off. You know, he goes 110% each time, and that's why he needs to be told when to take off. He needs someone else to go in there so that he can legitimately not play a, a down or two to to kind of keep his form throughout a full 60 minutes of a game. And, you know, that's what the idea was last year when you bring in a guy like Melvin Ingram, have a really nice three-headed monster. Did not work out, obviously. Ingram was traded to Kansas City. But now you don't even have that option really right now of someone that can come in and be a successful outside linebacker if needs a blow, if Highsmith mm-hmm. needs a blow. I think that's something they'll probably look into, whether that be later in the draft, maybe like a fourth or fifth round pick, or potentially looking out into the free agency market post-draft and seeing what kind of scraps they can find at OLB, bring in a veteran, hopefully not one you know with as much status as Melvin Ingram, but someone you know a little bit beneath him as far as his standing in the NFL is concerned, and have someone that's serviceable as that number three outside linebacker. Because right now, I mean, Avery, Tuska, you don't trust any of those no, guys stepping not. in there and having any sort of contribution. So I'll look to last year again, and I know we, we do a lot of comparisons here in the offseason, but that's really all you can do because there's no film from camp, whether mini or training. There's no film from a- any actual preseason or, or regular season games, so that's all we can really do in this, what, six-month span of an offseason. When the Steelers went out and drafted Melvin Ingram, drafted, sorry, acquired Melvin Ingram last year, people were saying, well, there you go. That's an incredible three-headed monster you have at the outside linebacker position. If we were doing this power rankings last year, I'm sure 
we would have put probably the middle line, or the outside linebackers probably number two behind the defensive line because at that point we could also assume that Tyson Alalu was fully healthy. Cam Hayward is obviously going to be there, and we still weren't sure about Stefan Tua, but people were a little more confident than they should have been about his return. So you would have probably put defensive line at one, and then I think we would have put outside linebackers at two. Again, it's the same argument I made for the safeties. Just because Kevin Colbert didn't go out and get you an outside linebacker to pair with Highsmith and TJ Watt doesn't mean that there's still not someone out there that you can acquire, whether via the draft or the free agency pool that's still available to you. So I think it's just about one guy making a huge difference. And I don't think that just because that Kevin Colbert and his first wave of of acquisitions, just because he didn't get that outside linebacker to pair with Highsmith and TJ, doesn't mean that that guy still isn't out there somewhere. One guy can certainly make a difference. No question about that. Now I think it gets a little tight when we move on to number three. Mm -hmm. Because I kind of like the depth on all these spots. So do I. Now defensive line is up in the air. Pretty confident we can assume Alu-Alu will be back and playing. So you got Cam and Alu-Alu at the beginning of the year at the very least. And if you bring in Steph... And if he decides to play and he's ready to go week one, that's, that's one of the best one. defensive linemen in the or one of the best defensive lines in the NFL at the top of the of of it. And I really don't mind the 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 bottom of it, the the depth part. Loudermilk, Adams, Wormley, Davis. I mean, these guys all Mondo. I don't even think most of the one of those guys I named might not even make the team this mm-hmm. year. And they all had contributions to the team last year. Now, of course, the team last year was in dire straits when it came to that defensive line. And they needed all sorts of guys to step up when Alu Alu and Tuit are both out. But I just think that if, if you can get at least one of those top dogs back, hopefully you get both of them back, all of the pieces behind them really falls into place well. Then you look at the inside linebacking room. Bush and Jack, yeah, it's a pretty good pair of starters. Or we're hoping so. Mm-hmm. Spillane and, and, and Buddy and UG3 and Marcus Allen, those are a pretty good group of backers to have behind them as well. So I honestly think I might go with the cornerback room as my really? number three. But that's decent depth, too. So like I said, there's the five guys in that I've, cornerback room that you you know can play. I think any of these three you could sort one, one two, three. three. Yeah, yeah it, it is up for interpretation. For but opinion, we'll go yeah. with yours at number three. We'll go with the cornerbacks here. That could get in the corners could be the one of the best groups overall on the team if they bring in a guy in the draft to start. If they bring in another guy, I mean, Joe Hayden's still out there. I mean, if he comes right. in on a de- nice, not... decent deal, like then all of a sudden and you bump everybody back one slot, wow, that becomes even better. Right. You now have Akella Witherspoon as your death piece. You can easily move Camp Sutton to that slot without any question because now you have three guys ahead of him on the death chart. I think chart that's happening no corners. matter what. That guy you bring in. Or if you don't bring someone in, I think Sutton is moving to the slot. I well, think that's happening. I think it's okay. No because, matter. Yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. Because you have Witherspoon to play opposite of Levi, and yeah. then you have Cam. But I think still regardless, whether it's Joe Hayden, another veteran piece who's still out there, or via the draft, I think now you just – it's not that you necessarily bump him down to CB4. It's just you make him CB slot one. Yeah, exactly. And – that's where he's his best at, and I think they kind of took him a little bit out of position last year when they were trying to replace Steve Nelson. Mm-hmm. And it was worth a shot, I guess, because he wasn't abysmal at playing the outside, but it was just it was clear that he's better playing in that slot position. So 
regardless of if they strike, if they go into the draft and get somebody, if Joe Hayden ends up falling back to the Steelers, if they sign somebody, or if they swing and they miss on all of that, and these five are really the five that they roll in the camp with, I still think you're seeing CB1 out of Sutton, and you'd have Witherspoon be the outside number two, or you'd have Lane be the outside number two, or something like that. And you, Don't forget James Pierre is still on this roster, guy that they were really high on just two years ago, and a young player. So, a year ago, really. So there's a lot still there as far as that that room is concerned depth-wise. So, But I, I'd put that at number two. At number three. Or at number three, excuse me. And then at number two, I think I'd have to go with the inside linebacking room, right? Because if we're assuming that everybody's on the yeah, D line, that's a good point. I mean, that defensive line is deep, man. I that's mean, that's the number one defensive unit, I think, across all positions, across all defenses. If that well, that's how we were framing it last year too. If that defensive line was healthy, that's how we've been framing it the last like three to four years, right? And it's proven that it's hard to get all three of those guys on the field together for a long time. I mean. Alualu and Tuit have definitely had their injury problems. Hayward's been a rock. I mean, he's the guy that's out there almost every single game. But, yeah, I think you look at them, and we'll get to them more in depth in a minute, but, yeah, I just when you assume that they're all going to be there, which is what we've been operating under on this show for the past couple of months now, it's just hard for me to make an argument that any other group on this defensive side of the ball can boast the amount of depth that they have. I mean, like I said, Wormley, Adams, Loudermilk, Davis, Mondo, all of these guys, Archipong, all of these guys played last year, saw action on the field. One of those names I mentioned is going to not make the team out of training camp. That's if, a good yeah. problem to have. Yeah, I right. mean, that's a, a player that had to play last year is now on the chopping block when they come into camp the next year. That means you've improved at that position. Now, obviously, there was going to be natural improvement because of Tuit and, and Alu Alu coming back. But you bring Montrevious Adams back on a contract. You've just drafted Louder Milk. You still have Carlos Davis on your team. Like, you have guys that are not only game ready and have game experiences to step in when they need to, but they're familiar with the Steelers system as well. They've been here for a year, for a couple years now. There's no surprises when you walk in and Mikey T has this planned on right. a Tuesday morning. And it's not like it was o- the 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 line was only missing. Uh, Tyson or only missing Steph so that these this carousel of guys had to filter had to rotate for one position there was two starters out last year so they had more than enough opportunity equally shared between all of them I mean that's why I think Adams has this deal and he's here is because he played Mm -hmm. and Tomlin was a little impressed by him but should we before we get too in depth about yeah, the our number one spot? Let's talk about the ILBs. Yeah. Now Bush and Jack as your starters. That's an improvement at the top of it. It's an improvement really all around at the inside linebacking room because this is one of the worst as far even before, you know, or even without injury last year. This was one of the worst inside linebacking units that you had, and then you had guys like Spillane and Buddy Johnson go down throughout the season, so it got even thinner. But now it's a little bit better. You know, I, I like. Obviously, bringing in Miles Jack and bumping a guy like Spillane down on the depth chart and getting a guy like Schobert out of here, that's an automatic improvement there. Mm-hmm. And then your big three pieces, I think, on the inside unit are Spillane, Buddy, and Marcus Allen. And Marcus Allen is a bit of a, you know, jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. You'll see him in there when it's pass-downs because he's a smaller guy. He's faster. He's played safety a lot in his college right. career. So... He'll be kind of like a hybrid linebacker mix. And then you've got Spillane and Buddy who are just legitimate inside linebackers. Spillane, as we know, his bread and butter is helping in the run defense and helping stop that. So love the fact that you've got a run stopper now as your number three or even number four coming off of the bench. 
you know, put him in on run heavy downs, put him in on short yardage situations, have him break his shoulder off of Derrick Henry again. Like that's a that's a good piece to have, not as your every down guy, but as a guy you can literally just throw in there and say, Hey, they're gonna run the ball. Can you please shoot yourself out of a cannon towards this running back and just sacrifice Which your body? Like, we've seen him do time and time. So again. many times. It's what he's I think that's really his niche as far as an NFL player is concerned. So I'm not upset with the depth at all. and I mean, it's the number two depth unit on the defense, according to our power rankings. And I would be, you know, obviously a little worried if a Spillane, if a Buddy, if an Allen, if a UG3 had to play. No, someone uh, in front had to play. Oh, yeah, because that means means either you lost to injury, Devin or Miles Jack. And that's the worst worst outcome. Which is kind of what happened last year, which is why you saw a lot of Spillane which is why you saw a lot of Buddy before he went down. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, is, like, there's some you can have depth and, like, oh, a guy goes down, well, this guy's almost a starter. Kind of like Melvin Ingram last year. Like, if you had lost Highsmith, oh, this guy's almost a starter. When you lost Watt, oh, well, this guy's almost a starter. So that's a pretty decent piece right there. This inside linebacker depth is literally – they're only good when they can play those those roles, those third and fourth right. guy roles. You don't it's want a, them starting. It's a good depth unit as far as as long as nothing bad happens and these guys stay in their, their lane as far as the depth chart is concerned. That's a really complete room. One game here or there, too. You, know, you can have Spillane fill in for a game for Devin Bush mm-hmm. and you can get away with it. But there isn't depth as far as guy goes down for five weeks, six weeks, we have a viable option to fill no. in. That We've seen that with Spillane in the past. He can't when he becomes the guy. Now, it's very possible Buddy Johnson in his sophomore year, you don't want him to get too much exposure because, again, that could mean you lost Evan or Miles Jack to injury or they suck so badly that you had to bench one of them, which is kind of what you saw in, in Devin Bush and Joe Schobert last year with Robert Spillane getting a lot of playing time. But Buddy Johnson still has a little upside. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He's very spry. You're not gonna. I. You hope you don't see him in as big of windows as you did last year, but it's very possible. I mean, this guy is just a good. He could maybe surpass Robert Spillane as the number three guy on this team. Kind of the same thing can apply to the number one depth unit yeah. on that defensive line, whereas, yeah, you like these guys, so Hayward needs a blow every once in a while. Let's send out um, Loudermilk or, or Wormley. Oh, Alu Alu's getting a little gassed out there. You know what? For this series, Adams is going to play the nose instead of a series off. That's fine, and they're really good as far as that's concerned. But again, it's that if two, it's out for the year. If Alu Alu's out long term, if Hayward it. can't be playing for weeks at a time, then all of a sudden those depth pieces that are great when they're literally in their role as a five, sixth man, having to be bumped up to that two or three spot, it just they're not that kind of player. And I think Matt Williamson said it to me all the time last year. Like all of these guys, like when Adams had to play and when, when Davis had to play and when Loudermilk had to play, like they played hard. Like they didn't cheat you on effort at all. No. But they're just not red. Like they, he he would constantly just be like, they're just not that kind of guy. Like they're just not able to play a majority of the downs in the NFL and and be in every kind of down defensive line player playing eighty percent of your snaps. He he would just constantly pound the table and be like, there's nothing against these guys because they're good when they're in their roles, but they're just not starters in the NFL. They just can't play extended periods of time. And I feel the same way this year where. Loudermilk plays 10% of the snaps. Wormley plays 15% of the snaps. 
I think that's a pretty good contribution, and maybe one of them gets a sack or a big run, uh, tackle for a loss on a run stuff. But if they have to play a lot more than that, you know, I, again, same thing with the inside linebackers. They don't have that kind of depth where there's just a total stud that, oh, yeah, I slide in here, I'll play nine weeks, kind of like we saw with Alu-Alu when he had to slide in whenever Tuit got injured a couple years back. He had to move out to the end. Right. And everybody was like, oh, we've got him to play D-tackle, and now he's at the end. He was phenomenal at the end. And then you bumped Wormley up into that tackle spot. Like, you don't have that kind of luxury anymore. And that's kind of where I land on as far as both the inside linebacker and the defensive line room. Good depth as long as everybody in front of them stays healthy. Sure. And they can be depth players. But I still think, you know, even if – I think you can't assume that Cam's going to be there and Tyson is going to make a full recovery. So you'll have two out of three, right? And you can bump Tyson over to the end if you have to. If you have to. That alone, I mean – like a lot. And then Adams maybe plays D-tackle. Right. That's a lot less off of his plate. Maybe he can develop into a better D-tackle. Any any Stefan Tuitt that you can see in 2022 is going to be – so helpful, so refreshing to see out there alongside Tyson and Cam. It's almost like I you just should don't go know. into camp preparing to not have them, so if you do, it's bonus. Exactly. I don't know. That was going to be my next point. I don't know if how much you're going to see, if, him, if at all, despite the, the narrative surrounding his name, getting a little more positive of an outlook, saying it sounds like he wants to come back and play this year. But yeah, last year we kind of went into it with the with the wrong mentality. It was, you assume he's going to come back, you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it never happened. This year, you can assume, do do yourself a favor, assume the worst, he's not going to be there, but you know the pieces that you have behind him, based off of their performance last year, are enough, given that Tyson and Cam will both be there, so you don't have to have just Cam playing alongside all of these other guys. And then if you do get Stefan to it back at any point, you're golden. Well, that's the power rankings for the defensive side of the ball. Just for a quick refresher, core safeties, we ranked as the worst depth as far as we stand right now uh, in mid to end of April for the Steelers. Number four was the outside linebacking room. At number three, we went with the cornerbacks. At number two, it was the inside backers. And number one position that has the depth we are jiving with the most is that defensive line group for your Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to do the offensive side of the ball when we come back for our next episode. But thanks for listening to this one. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opferman. And we'll talk to you guys on the next Steelers Standard.